Welcome to the Comedy on Edge podcast. I'm your host, Mark Williamson. Thank you guys for tuning in and listening. If you listen to us on iTunes, give us a star rating and a review. Really helps the show. If you're not listening to us on iTunes, that's cool. Spread the love. Tweet about us. Facebook about us. Uh, for more information, check out ComedyOnEdge.com or follow us on Twitter at ComedyOnEdge. All right, time for the show. Let's hit the music. <laughs> Comedy on Edge, the podcast. We're live in Edge HQ and it's a small show today. It's just me, your host, Mark Williamson, and my guest, his fellow podcaster, host, co-host of the No Dickheads Policy, Steve Philp. How are you, buddy? Yeah, mate, I'm awesome. I, I'm in your bedroom. Um, yeah, 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 in Edge HQ. It's, <laughs> this, is, this is where you normally do it? No, we normally we've got the the podcast room, but I've okay. got uh, I got a, I got a friend staying, and oh, right. she had a late night, so I couldn't really kick her out and yeah, get yeah, in yeah. there. So, oh, the friend quotation marks, right? So you could get me into your bedroom, and yeah, yeah, well, yeah. Well, well, it's either that. I thought we could go in the lounge room, but people would be walking around, and this device you've got, we could get mobile. Like we could just we do, could do a couple of blocks around here. We could. Well, that's how the no dickheads is. You record in your car, <laughs> don't you? <laughs> we do. It's not. It's barely a car. It's barely a car. It's a Nissan Pulsar. Um, much loved. Few Ks on the clock. Um, but I think that's it. It's a bit of character. You know? Oh, I think it's good. Like it was. I, I every time I listen to it, I'm like, oh, the sound, the sound. And then I'm like, oh yeah, you're on. You're in a car because <laughs> it's a bit because it's like we we record here here and our spare room are the best rooms. But we used to record in our comedy room and. Which it's a it's a great room for comedy, but if it's empty, it's very echoey. I can imagine. So, yeah. So yeah, and I do the editing, and I'm sure you edit yours too. Yeah, that's the worst bit about yeah. it. So. so less is more for me. So all fans out there who complain about the editing, if you want to volunteer to do it, more than happy to do it. But if you've got a complaint, unless I really stuff, I did a couple of weeks ago. I stuffed up the dates and it didn't go out or something. But it's it's just too fiddly. Some of it. people love complaining about anything, don't they? Like, oh, they do. You know, you can if you get something slightly wrong. I remember seeing a band once at a, at the Falls Festival. Uh, I think it was Jebediah, uh, and they wanted to say at the end of their set, "Make sure you go and see this other band," and they just pointed in the wrong direction. Like, not that it mattered, <laughs> right? No, no, no. All of a sudden, five thousand people are all pointing. No, no, it's that way. It's that way. <laughs> People love it. I used to work on the radio with um, Simon Kennedy. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Great comedian. And I remember one time we were talking about Michael J. Fox, and I think we just happened to get his illness wrong, uh, and the phones went red hot. Was, oh, wow. People just ring up going, no, he's got Parkinson's. Uh, and you're like, okay, right. Sure. Well, that's, I think that's probably, that's why Twitter exists, to be honest. Yes, it's just exactly. just a complaint service. <laughs> Isn't it, really? Well, like I was actually, actually, Twitter, I shouldn't just plot. Uh, you're on Twitter, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, I'm on Twitter individually, and then also uh, Ben and I, who's the fellow No Dickheads uh, policy podcaster, we have a No Dickheads site as well. Yeah, um, it's a bit tricky sharing you know, uh, a, a Twitter account as well. I don't know if you've ever had to do it. No, oh, we, yeah, Comedy on Edge, the fa- our Facebook page, me and another guy run it, and cause the other day, like, yeah. Something went up, and I'm like, "Hang on, I didn't do that." Yeah, and, and if you don't agree with it, then oh yeah, we, we be... have multiple fights occasionally because uh, obviously Ben is a Fox Sports. Well, he's actually a freelance journalist, sports journalist, but he works on Fox Sports News, uh, doing the journalism there, and he does a lot of boxing commentary as well. He um he's team part of Daniel Gill's team, so oh, t- he went to Germany and he went to New York, New York recently with Daniel Gill, and um, occasionally if I rag on like say Anthony Mundine, as most of the country does, which yeah, I yeah. did on the No Dickheads page just before uh, the fight a couple of nights ago, um, TAB put their odds up, and I, I so I just went, uh, if you don't know the odds, TAB's odds are uh, Shane Mosley dollar forty, Anthony Mundine two dollars twenty, no one gives a shit, uh, no dollars and one cent. Um, <laughs> And Ben sent me a text immediately, can you take that shit down, mate? Uh, and it's like, well, mate, no one likes Mundine. I'm, nah. Not even his own family. I don't think he even likes him. Yeah, I think I think Mundine is, I'd be amazed if he wasn't a wrestling fan as a kid. Yeah. And I just think he wants to be the bad guy wrestler. Yeah, I think you're right. Because from what I know, um, a lot of people, his close friends, say that he's one of the nicest guys ever. And look, in his defense... He hasn't ever done really that much wrong. Like, he's got a mad mouth on him, but so do all boxers. Yeah. Like, when's the last time you saw a boxer at a press conference go, well, you know what, I reckon this other guy, I reckon he's going to smash my face in. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't know. Apart from your odd, like, Kosh Jizu, 
or someone like that, pretty much 99% of boxers mm. all talk trash. Yeah. Don't they? Yeah, absolutely. Well, because I, I live around the, like, where, we, where Edge HQ is, it's very close to Mundine's gym. And the, what he does for the community around here really is phenomenal. I think when he retires, I really hope he does, like, a sit-down interview. Yeah. And just says, look, it was a mask. It was bright. Because the guy, if you look at all, what he does for the Aboriginal community, He'd probably be eligible for Australian of the Year. Mate, completely. You know, he doesn't drink, he doesn't smoke, yeah. he never has, he donates a lot of money, and he's also one of those guys that doesn't tell everyone who donates a lot of money. Yeah, absolutely. Like, he's just, yeah, I think he likes the world hating him yeah. when, I mean, yeah, he could really be, I mean, it'd be almost, but you imagine those, you sort of say about the arrogance of boxers. Could you imagine, like, George Bailey, the one-day captain? Yeah. He's a very diplomatic, gracious guy. Isn't he? Couldn't you imagine him as a boxer? It's like, oh, look, we're just going to have a good game, you know. Just I'll trade some punches. He'll, he's a very good opponent. Like, I think yeah, yeah, be... I really respect him. Um, yeah. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be a great match. Who knows, you know. He's wearing shorts. I'm wearing shorts. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> look, I think I think boxing will be the big winner of the day, you know. But on that topic now of talking trash, I mean, it seems that's where cricket is headed in the last, the last test match, uh, the Ashes, first Ashes test. And it just seemed... That's what everyone's talking about, isn't it? Like it got pretty, it got pretty. I wouldn't say nasty because I think in the past sledging has been nasty, but it was very immature. Like, is that what sledging has turned into now? I think, and how can I say this diplomatically without being really offensive? I went, not was it last summer or the last summer? I went and watched when Australia Sri Lanka the last day of the Hobart Test, and Australia was in the field, and there was I was on the boundary, and I could hear one of the slips talking the whole time. No Let's go, boy. Now, 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 which member do you reckon to be? Let's go, boys. Let's get these assholes. Come on, mate. This guy's not that good. Come on, mate. Come on, mate. <laughs> was it Riggy Pony? Nope. No. Nope. A current team member. All right. It was, he, this, this went on for four hours. David Warner. Yes. There you go. Warner doesn't shut up. Now, I can understand. Like, that's what, in our prime with Matty, sledging-wise, Matty Hayden, Steve Waugh, it was subtle. It was you shouldn't be able to hear it on the boundary. Yeah, but it was also mind game stuff too. Yeah. You know, they'd get in their ear as they're walking past. They'd drop it. They wouldn't like you know the Michael Clark thing. We described it on No Dickheads as like he. It was a metrosexual pointing fingers and like, <laughs> yeah. how how is he how is he even as he was walking away as well. Like I'm sure the fast bowler who was doing it to him must have been so scared of this bloke with no chest hair and his legs <laughs> waxed and a fake tan uh, while he's Instagram. Come on, mate, he's got tattoos. <laughs> tattoos. Oh, right, yeah, he's tough. Right. He's got a couple not of a tattoos. neck tattoo, but yeah. you know he's got the tats. <laughs> but you know the, what Michael Clark said: I'll break your fucking arm, or you get ready. Yeah, to get have ready to have your arm broken. broken. Like <laughs> it's pretty much like what are you? going to say next i'm going to flick your bra strap like it's it's not like it was in the old days steve war's great line in that uh world cup of when uh yeah I think, uh, herschel gibster or one of those blokes south african guys dropped the ball and he said he just dropped the world cup now yeah. he's completely right in that he doesn't need to say any more the bloke who dropped the ball knows that he's mm. just now thinking about it forever but if someone says i'm gonna break your fucking arm you're just gonna laugh that off aren't you i mean yeah. i mean it's and <laughs> He bowled well in the first test, but the way Mitchell Johnson's, there's probably more chance of one of the slips getting their arm broken if he <laughs> if he goes wild. <laughs> but his celebration was perfect, Mitchell Johnson. I'm not the mm. biggest Mitchell Johnson fan, but when he took that final wicket, he just raised, he just put his arms out and he just smiled with that stupid mustache yeah. and didn't need to say anything. Because yeah, remember, I don't know if this ever happened. You have brothers or sisters? I got a sister. Yeah, I have a younger sister. Is it yours younger? Yeah, or yeah, 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 a couple of years younger. You know that sisterly rivalry where oh, she would annoy the hell out of me, and mm. and I would fire up, and that would make her that would make it even funnier for her. So she did that thing where she'd put her fingers on her chin or something and go like cheesies, <laughs> or pretend to pull like a fake beard, and it made you even angrier. Yeah, and that's but that's what Mitchell Johnson's response was for me. That that was yeah. it, and it was perfect because you can't say anything to that, right? If someone if you're having a go, if you're fired up at someone, like you know if you've been on stage as a comedian and. And if you if someone's heckling you and you destroy them and they're still sitting there laughing and they're just going yeah then it's going to get you even more robbed up, yeah. isn't it? So yeah. sometimes that's the perfect response. Well, I, th- I think I think sledging like at this time, I I think it's I don't have a problem with sledging, but I don't think it should be like Clark. They're about to flog England. Yeah. Now Anderson is on there. He's been at him. Break the arm. Why wouldn't you just be subtle like? Oh mate, he could scoreboard. Yeah, look scoreboard, at the scoreboard, buddy. Yeah, and yeah. like, cause you, you know, you talk about there are some amazing sledges over there. My favourite one is an English guy said it to Mark. Mark Wall was giving this guy, and he goes, "Hey, mate, at least I'm the best cricketer in my own family." <laughs> yeah, with like that, maybe, maybe we've got a fielding coach, we've got a bowling coach, we've got a batting coach. Maybe we need a sledging coach. Yeah, yeah. Oh, exactly, completely. And who, who would it be? Like, who's good at that in this country? There's. Uh... 
I think I think I think at the moment I'd be I think it's it sounds like ostentatious is <laughs> is giving him a bit of a yeah. he, he he's going for the anger over the yeah but I think he'd go racial wouldn't he that'd be the problem you know yeah yeah like, he, yeah yeah he'd be working it he'd be working it I don't think Warner would understand the intricacies of it I think we need someone to what about Keating he's in the media now he's, yeah. Yeah, he's, he's a bit intellectual, but yeah, you know, that, might be that, that'll work. <laughs> yeah, be, be some interesting uh, because he got caught, he was quite heckling. Or Mark Latham, Mark Latham. Yeah, but pretty, he he would actually break the guy's arm. He probably, yeah, probably <laughs> He'd be like, right. you're not a taxi driver, right? Eh? Any yeah. taxi drivers? <laughs> Imagine that handshake at the top. Yeah. you know, you just be holding on, <laughs> wouldn't let go. But um, oh, yeah, great sledges. I'm a bit of a side. I play a bit of cricket as well. Oh yeah, uh, and I've been went at the end of that Test match recently. I did fire up a little bit. It was mainly at Peter Siddle. I don't know if you saw Siddle. Um, he got very aggressive. Like right as the wicket got taken, they all ran in. He was throthing at the mouth. He was like a Doberman, and he just looked like a bloke who needs a steak, right? Because yeah, 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 he's vegetarian, vegetarian. and yeah. uh, and he looked angry and hungry mainly. Mm. So I think, but when I when I saw that and I had a bit of a blow up about it, my mate was like, "Well, steady on, you know, you're the king. You love it. You love it. You love a good sledge." And I do, but like I won't just start out sledging. I'll just I'll, I'll sort of needle a little bit, um, you know. After we've taken one wicket, uh, I'll, I'll get a bit of a clap as the next one comes in going, here we are, boys, we're into the tail. Yeah, you know, that's a good the number one. Three a, batsman, good, yeah. a bit of that. Um, you know, made it to red, hit it. You know, has it got a bell in it? You know, alluding to deaf cricketers. Yeah. Um, or, uh, you know. Uh, I think you mean blind cricketers. Blind cricketers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the bell would... yeah, a bell. I'd, I'd definitely be able to hear that. Um, yeah. But, you know, like, I just, I'd, breaking people's arms and stuff, it just turned into a little bit schoolyard. And, yeah. I'm happy for them to, to go to town on the sledging. I really am. But uh, but also, the media love manipulating it around a little bit, don't they? Because the, oh. David Warner had to go at Jonathan Trott and said he was mentally weak. And then, just coincidentally... Yeah, I think that was... I, I mean, I think he was out... Warner probably shouldn't have said it. Yeah. But I don't think... Linking the two is like... I don't think it had any effect on Trott. No. What Trott suffered. And I mean, but yeah, it wasn't... Yeah, it was a bit awkward, that, the whole... It was very awkward, and the Warner family are dickheads. Just oh, his general. brother. Yeah, his have bro- you ever engaged him on Twitter? <laughs> yeah, we actually had a great moment with uh, Steve Warner. He is. Uh, I'm not sure if you remember, but it was after Mickey Arthur got sacked as Australian cricket coach, the South African cricket coach, and um, Steve uh, Steve Warner got on Twitter and had a mad rant, and uh, he had a mad crack at Shane Watson. Yeah, yeah, yeah um, I remember. I remember that. Yeah, he said Shane Watson's a dickhead, and he said uh, Mickey Arthur's, and he meant to say. Is a, is, an, is a scapegoat, but what he actually wrote was, because they don't have the greatest uh, diction around Matraville, uh, is an escaped goat. So, and he hashtagged it, escaped goat. Now, um, oh. mate, it ended up trending. There's a, there's a, there's a fake <laughs> Richie Benno on Twitter. He's got like yeah, 50,000 yeah, 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 followers. Yeah, yeah. And he, he ran with it. He was posting pictures of uh, goats getting out from underneath fences. <laughs> and and uh, Stephen Warner shut down his account. <laughs> completely shut his account down. Um, so... What we did on the No Dickheads policy was, I remember just out of the blue that my girlfriend's brother works with Steve Warner. At, he works with Virgin at the airport. Because oh. he'd been telling me that. He goes, mate, uh, when David Warner first busted onto the scene, and everyone loved him. You know, he's, yeah, 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 yeah. He was a great one-day player. He was scoring runs really fast, yeah. like Gilchrist style, and everyone used to love that. Before he opened his mouth right, and became a dickhead, uh, he was saying, oh, yeah, Steve Warner is his manager now, and he's walking around. We call him Jerry Maguire. He walks around, <laughs> he walks around at the airport just telling everyone how good he is, you know, saying all this stuff. So I remembered that, and I thought, on the back of this guy getting uh, the escape goat hashtag and trending and then and, and him um, getting his account shut down and stuff, I thought, let's prank call him. So we've got Simon Kennedy on our show uh, who does a few voices for us. And he, he was doing Mickey Arthur for us a couple of times. And Mickey Arthur became quite popular on the show because Mickey got sacked for being too nice. That's what I was saying. He's yeah. a really nice guy. Uh, and he, it's, we, we got Mickey on, our Mickey Arthur on and uh, asking what he was doing now. So we thought what we'd do is we'll get because Steve Warner defended Mickey Arthur on Twitter, we'll get him on and we'll re- get him to ring. And I recorded the whole thing in the car. And so we rang him and Stephen Warner was driving at the time. And uh, and Simon Mickey Arthur was like, hello, it's Mickey Arthur here. Is that Steve <laughs> Warner? And he's like, yeah, yes, it is. Who's this? And he goes, it's Mickey Arthur. I got your number from Cricket Australia. I hope it's okay. You're not busy. He said, I'm just driving, mate. Right. So he's in. He's hook, line, and yeah, sinker yeah, yeah. already. Uh, and he goes, I just want to say thank you for uh, all the kind words you had to say on Twitter about me. And he's like, oh, oh, all right. Yeah, okay. No worries. Yeah, no worries, mate. Right? And then he says, and I just want to tell you that we found the goat. <laughs> <laughs> Steve Warner's like, this is a bit of silence. And he's like, 
Sorry? Yes. <laughs> the goat, the escaped goat. He says, we found it. We've got it back. Thank you. Just a couple more seconds of silence and then you hear, beep, beep. <laughs> he hung up on us. So great end result because um, out of those things, there's two results that, that are probably going to happen in that scenario is that he's going to he's going to abuse you. Great. We're recording it. Um, or he's going to hang up on you. Great. We're recording it. Or he goes off and kills himself. Um, yeah, yeah. And not then... so great. <laughs> Good publicity though. Yeah. And, and um, you know, Shit happens. Yeah, I it's, think it's Steve Warner, so I'm sure everyone would have been happy if he killed himself. But no, <laughs> no, 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 no. Ah, <laughs> uh, you know, you get the. Inc- no, I was, I was. The shit happens because I think that was pretty much today. FM's manager's response, the boss of it, oh. the response to it. Interesting those prank calls. I used to um, work for Osterio Freelance. I was yeah. doing um, the those gotcha calls. So uh, the gotcha call is a is a bit of a phenomenon in Adelaide. I was writing for SAFM, so. Um, once a week I'd go into the Osterio studios in Sydney and I'd sit down the line with a, uh, SAFM, uh, DJ and he'd send me all the emails that they'll get in. Cause those gotcha calls are, let's say you wanted to prank me. Um, then you would send an email going, Hey, Steve's going to do this. And I reckon you should prank him on it. So then we would get together, bump heads, work out how we could prank call them and prank call them. But, um, the interesting thing I found out about that was that every prank call we did and we'd do like 10 a day. They'd get edited down and they'd get sent to the lawyers, and then the lawyers ah. would tick off on it, right? And that 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 stayed in the case till up until those the two people recently with the nurse yeah. um, killing herself. So a lot of people turn on those guys for doing that prank call. We were under the impression that you could pretty much do anything you wanted, and then the legal department would knock it on the head. Um, so when yeah. that happened and everyone was slagging them off, I was like, hey, give them a little bit of slack, just because. Look, I understand someone has died, and that if you trace it back, they were the people that did it, and. Yeah, okay. They're partly responsible, but it should never have gone to air. No, 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 not at all. I think in this, like, to be with the whole thing, I mean, the prank call, and then the, they rang up, they asked us, it's not a massive deal. No. Like, it's not, you know, everyone's got a job, everyone stuffs up. Yeah. We don't go home and kill ourselves over no, it. No, no. It uh, Obviously, I, she had underlying issues. and Of course, yeah. I guess out of that, I mean, they'll probably learn this, that you don't prank call hospitals, police yeah. stations, um, et cetera. Um, you, just, you just prank call dickhead cricketers' brothers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, <laughs> yeah. I think that's it. If they tweet shit, you call them. Yeah, and I think we mentioned this earlier on, uh, but not on the podcast. On our show as well, we have... And Anthony Mundine impersonator, who's Jonas Holt. Who, Jonas Holt, who, who yeah, yeah, he if, will appear on this. We he has appeared on this podcast on the mystery episode that never <laughs> went to air. Um, we'll get Jonas back, um, and hopefully, yeah, he's coming soon. To be confirmed. If you haven't heard him do his Mundine impersonation, and not at all is it racial at all. It's nah. just that he imitates his voice perfectly. It is brilliant, and we've actually stumbled across the real Anthony Mundine's phone number and. The, my goal is to get Jonas calling as Anthony Mundine, calling the real Anthony Mundine, and have this bizarre conversation between the two where they're both, prete- well, not both pretending to be Anthony Mundine, obviously one of them is, <laughs> but uh, having this conversation with, hey, you the man, no, I'm the man, who's this? It's the man, baby. No, I'm the man, baby, having <laughs> this thing. But Ben, who I work with, works with Anthony Mundine at the moment, and he said, until he stops fighting, we can't do it because he continues to employ him to do work. Yeah, so. yeah, you don't want to. I mean, it could be it could be one of the greatest things ever, or it could mean Jonas could get the crap <laughs> out of him. It's <laughs> it's gonna be yeah. I don't think there's gonna be any in between there. No, it's not as long as it's not me getting bashed up. Then I'm yeah. okay with that. So it's funny. Have you ever seen Mundane in real life? Yeah, I have. Yeah, he's. An, I know he's an obviously he's a, is he middleweight or yes yeah, so he's super middleweight. Yeah. Um, He's not that, like, because I went and one of my, I was, me and my mate were at the friend in hand, actually, downstairs, and Mundine was there, and I, I just couldn't get over how lean he was yeah. and how tall. Some of the I best mean, boxers still, in the world. he'd probably kill me, but, you know. No doubt, yeah. No, yeah. I've, I've seen that. Uh, Victor Chinian, I'm not sure if you're familiar with, is the Raging Bull. He's Armenian. I know Australian, the name. Became, pound for pound, one of the best fighters in the world. Still boxing, just lost a fight a couple of weeks ago. He's Australian now. Yeah. Um, but, he, yeah, he was Armenian. Um, i Went to watch a Kostya Zoo fight at the at the casino and just went into the TAB and boom, there's Victor Chinian right at the height of his at his boxing prowess and one of the smallest men you'll ever see. He was fighting like at a featherweight division at something like 55, 60 kilos um, and 
if you bumped into this bloke in a pub and didn't know who he was, and there was a bit of argy-bargy, you completely back yourself to punch the shit out of this guy, but he would destroy you in about four seconds. Yeah, that's, oh, that's the other thing. Like, cause I've, I've ran into Costa Zoo at East Gardens yeah. Shopping Centre, and short guy, but he's wide. Yeah. He's so wide, and I yeah. just couldn't get over that. Yeah. Maybe that's, look, cause we've got a problem at the moment with, you know, the, the one punch, keep people dying from one punch on the street. We do, we do. Uh, you know, the thing is about, because that's deceiving about seeing someone in the street, or seeing someone on TV and then mm. seeing him in the street. I saw Kyle Sandlands. He's still fat. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the good thing about Kyle Sandlands, I think, like, he's a dick. Complete dick. Yeah. But he knows it. And I think he's self, <laughs> like, he's self-destruct. Because the guy drinks something like nine liters of Coke a day, <laughs> 40 cups of coffee and smokes two packets of cigarettes. And bangs supermodels. Yeah. He's not going to live long. Let's face <laughs> nah, it. Like, he's, so he's, he's enjoy Kyle while you've got him. Because, you know, <laughs> once he's gone, you know, other than to piss on his grave, we're not going to remember him that well. No. No. He'll, he'll fade away. But the... Why is it the TV just keeps wanting to put these people on the TV? What? Who's list? Like, he's just, it's been announced today, actually. Kyle and Jackie are going to mix 106.5. Who listens to their show? Like, I don't. I know, I'm guessing you. Like, I, I listen. If I do listen to Breakfast Radio, I'll probably listen to Triple J. Yeah, yeah. I very rarely listen to Breakfast Radio, but if I do, yeah, Triple J, I'll, I'll put Triple J on. Although, mainly, uh, mainly because of the tunes. Yeah. I imagine, but. And, or, yeah. And, well, for me, I, I don't know about you. I'm. I listen to Triple M a lot now because they're playing my iPod. Yeah. Like Nirvana's on Triple M yeah, now. And not yeah. just Teen Spirit, Obscure Nirvana's on. All the on. good stuff. Yeah. And they're not afraid to play a, a current day Bruce Springsteen song, which yeah. which I, annoys me being a massive music fan, as I know you are, is that people think that like people like Springsteen and, and, uh, and some other great acts are just not making any good music anymore. When reality is like Springsteen's last album was unreal. Yeah. Um, but the radio stations just don't play it because mm. they want to play born in the USA. Yeah. Um, and therefore they go, yeah. So the radio, you, what you'll find is the people in charge of the radio station are just ex DJs who somehow found their way in top of the, in, in charge of the top job. Uh. And then they'll try and tell you how to do it. I worked for a radio station that I won't name once, and they were making some Nova, and they were making <laughs> some, uh, they were making some uh, TV ads, and they got a bunch of comedians to write. Essentially, what it was was a boxing press conference with no dialogue, and they got a bunch of comedians to voice over the conversation that was happening between the two. I wrote a bunch of them. I was on tour with Tom Gleason at the time. Huh? I ran him by Tom, who's an amazing comedian. Yeah, brilliant. Uh, yeah. Great comedy mind as well. And he was like, mate, they're very funny. So I sent him off to this guy who was the program director at the stations, the guy that calls all the shots, uh, a former DJ who'd found his way there, um, rang me back saying, mate, they're not funny. And I'm like, have you shown them to anybody else? And he's like, no, I just read them and I'm, I don't think they're funny. And I'm like, you know how hard it is to cop on the chin from a bloke who's never done stand-up, doesn't know comedy, doesn't know how to write comedy, mm. just presses buttons in a studio, here's the next Pink song. <laughs> like, fuck off, dude. Yeah. Like, yeah, and look at, gee, Tom Gleason. it's not like he's gone on to be a massive <laughs> comedy who sells out seasons and yeah. he's just absolutely phenomenal. It got me in once to do, because I, I actually worked for Nova and I won't bag Nova out, I was more bagging yeah. out. Yeah, that um, guy. That, that guy, but... I'm um, sure he's not there now. N- no, I think he still is oh, somewhere. Oh, he is? Oh, okay. <laughs> what happened with Nova was that they became really successful on the back of um, Sydney was crying out for a new radio station. Yeah. And... They went with the premise of half Triple J, half commercial radio, which at the start yeah. I thought Nova was fantastic. Yeah. It's never more than two ads and stuff like that. Um, so it boomed in Sydney. It boomed in Melbourne massively. Mm. So this guy who ended up moving to Sydney was in, uh, went to Brisbane to launch it. Now, Brisbane hadn't had a new radio station in forever, and they were crying out for it. So he went there, and of course it went to number one. Like, yeah. it was always going to. Yeah. Like, you could have got Quinton, that kid in the wheelchair, to run it, right? <laughs> and it would have gone to number one, right? Yeah. There was no way around it. So all of a sudden, that guy now is lauded as a, as a national hero in radio circles because all he did was open a booklet to go, what do I do from here? You know? Yeah. Like, r- ridiculous how it works. But because they chose that guy to be in charge, he's the hero. Um, but, I, yeah, I worked on Nova for a while, and... Um, and there were good days. I worked with a yeah. comedian there, Simon Kennedy, and went on to do some great stuff. And yeah. uh, after that happened, and I did some writing for Osteria, which I mentioned before with the mm-hmm. prank calls. Someone from Osteria came and saw me do a stand-up show, and uh, they they said, hey, you know, we know you do the stuff already at Osteria. I mean, I've done radio before. Would you be interested in doing it again? And my theory on it now is that, I'll, yeah, I'm happy to do more radio, but I'll only do it with someone that I want to do it with, mm. right? So... What they did was, even though I told them that, they paired me with a former Olympic swimmer, um, a female. 
we got in the studio, just like we are now. We just yeah. press record. And they said, just riff on whatever. So we got in there, and she's boom-tishing me. And I wasn't even doing gear. Like, I was, we were just riffing. Oh. But after every kind of thing that she felt was a punchline, she'd go, boom-tish. And I'm like, why do, why do they do this? Why? And this is another thing they do in Breakfast Radio. They'll get, like, four people from the opposite side of Australia who have never met each other, and they'll throw them on air that following week and yeah. go, there's some chemistry. Yeah, you. Pr- yeah, that's what. I, well, it's it's not. I think it's not just radio. I um, comedian Jim Jeffries. When he first hit big in America, he had a meeting, and this is one of Jimmy's told on his podcast. He had a meeting with a studio executive. He goes, "We want to put you with Macy Gray. We're going to find something for you." Now, Jim is Jim is an adult, a very. I think he's a great comedian, but he's very he's crude. And Macy Gray's a singer who. <laughs> Who was peaked in the 90s, yeah. came back through some reality show. And just that whole combination. And yeah, what, that backs up what you're saying. It's it, like it's like Marsha Hines and Rodney Roode doing a podcast together, you know? Like, I mean, that would... In, 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 I actually like to hear that. But I, yeah, I, th- I think, I think we've, we've got a live show coming up early next year. I think you've just... Good, <laughs> you've given me some guest ideas there. Let's do it. I think Marsha will be easier to get than Rodney. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. He's on tour, I believe. Yeah, right? he's, he's always on tour. He's, yeah. I think it's almost... He's done a whole sold-out run. I think so, yeah. Uh, he's still wheeling it out. But um, you got me on here not to talk about comedy, but uh, sports. Yeah, yeah, we'll, ch- yeah we'll, get, we'll, get, we'll get back to We'll get back to that. But the, Well, let's talk about the No Dickheads policy. For those yeah. that don't know, the name comes from the Sydney Swans. It does. Gr- recruiting policy, which I think they've deferred from. Yeah, but well, they certainly have. But uh, back in the day, I think Paul Ruse was the initial instigator of it. He decided that there was a lot of dickheads in the AFL, which he's 100% right. Yeah. Uh, and he decided that the way to win a premiership would be to not have any dickheads mm. and, and to openly say, this club doesn't employ dickheads. Someone even said to me once that they don't have anyone with tattoos, but I reckon that's a stretch. Well, it's, I think, when did Jesse White, yeah. he, or he's just gone. He's but, gone, but he, had, he definitely has tattoos. Yeah, he's, ta- he's got sleeves. Yeah. Um, so that, and it worked. They won. Yeah, they uh, got, they had a great the culture. Yes, they did. There wasn't any dickheads. There was blokes who boarded on dickheads. I mean, surely, how many blokes are in a first grade squad? Um, there's maybe 30, 40 blokes. There's got to be a dickhead. Surely oh, yeah, some yeah. bloke that's farting in his hand and cupping, cupcaking you. Or, <laughs> sure, sure. But I think it comes from, like, obviously with Ruse, but I think it also comes with, like, a team. I think teams are judged by their best players. And Sydney's got someone who I think is going to go into great things after Adam Goods. Of course. Yeah, and I think it's, man. when you're, like, you, you know what it's like when you're hanging around in a group of people, the leaders, and you'll find the dickheads, if they sort of respect the guy, they're going to shut up. Yeah. And I think that's what the, the, Swans came along, Ruse had this idea, and he had, thankfully, had the lieutenants to bring it in. Yeah, that's a very good point you make. And I did, uh, I found it noted to say that, um, given now that Buddy Franklin is is playing for the Swans, that, um, and the no dickhead policy is clearly finished. Yeah, that's gone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's over. That uh, I heard Adam Goods has already pulled him aside and said, hey, listen, you know, dickhead, yeah. mate, just watch what you're doing here. Root as many birds as you want. Well, he had, I think, I think that came out because Buddy had a big um, spring racing season. He did. There's rumours that he was drinking, knocking him back from nine in the morning. <laughs> and Ru- Goods sort of came out and give that interview going, I'll be keen to see how he rocks up to training. Yeah. But the Swans did, I don't know if you know this, they did something really clever. Yeah. They advertised Buddy's first day of training. Okay, right. So the way that. AFL teams, they come back in pre-season. The first year kids come back then like the first to four-year kids and you guys, yeah. and then the older guys come in. Okay. But Buddy rocked up on the first day of training two weeks ahead of schedule. Well, hello. So as if to say, okay, maybe I've partied, but I'm here, I'm um, ready. Yeah, well, that's all right then. And yeah, so he's ma- maybe, I don't know, I it's it's a big gamble they've taken with signing him for 10 years. 10 years, it's ridiculous, isn't it? Imagine if Tony Abbott was in for 10 years. <laughs> it's bad enough to know that he's in for, well, geez, for he's a couple been, of years He's been now. in, what, not even 10 weeks yeah. already. We've pissed off China and Indonesia. <laughs> it's going to be <laughs> 10 years. Jesus. You, and how, how old is Buddy Franklin? Buddy, I think he's 20, 26, 27. Yeah, right. Well, then that's silly if they've signed him for 10 years. I think you'd think that he might be younger than that, but... Because you wouldn't sign anyone for nine, nine or ten years. It was nine million dollars for ten years, right? It's not. I think it's Alistair Lynch when he went to the Brisbane Lions. They signed him for nine years, and he played right up till he was thirty six. Okay. So I think, I think with Buddy, the Swans have pretty much gone the gamble that they're going to win a couple of premierships in the next two years. Yeah. 
And I think they're also gambling on the fact that the salary cap is going to go up. <laughs> yeah. It's a big gamble because they've lost some... Like, to sign him, they've lost Shane Mumford, Premiership Ruckman. Yeah, yeah, great Ruckman. Yeah. Jesse White, yeah, also great, a great player. really good player. And a couple of fringe players. And so they've got no depth. So Yeah, and that's what they've needed in the last couple of years. I mean, this year they they still played pretty well. Yeah, top four. Yeah, and did well, given that they were defending premiers. Um, but they had a lot of injuries. I yeah, mean, they had a lot. Like, Goods didn't play much. Yeah, and yeah so it's... It's a big risk. It's a massive risk. Um, and and also they got Tippett starting a full first season, another yeah. dickhead. So um, yeah. the no dickheads policy is completely scrapped. Uh, yeah, I think. <laughs> but the thing that like the Bloods or well, the Bloods culture, the one thing that when they were in their prime under Ruse, they played the most negative and boring brand of football under the sun. Yeah, and that's what I don't like. I don't. I don't like Paul Ruse for that. Like. When I moved, I moved to Sydney around that time, and I went and watched Sydney versus Fremantle. And I'm a massive AFL fan. We left at three quarter time because it was the most boring game. Yeah, ever. they really shut the game down, and just um, it was all about handballs, and I was just sort of passing. It was like training; they're just passing the ball to yeah. each other around and around, just around stacks and on. And yeah, sort of. Yeah, yeah so I think he gets. I think Ruse gets. Considering he only took him to one premiership, I know he's set up Longmire for the second. I think he's a bit overrated. Yeah, well, it's, he's got a tough year ahead of him next year. Yeah, he's got Melbourne. Melbourne. He's starting right at the bottom, uh, and I'm sure there's a lot of dickheads at that club. But um, the, yeah, I guess with the podcast, it was our idea was to try not to talk about the dickhead sports, and by dickhead sports, we obviously mean AFL and NRL. Um, and rugby union, even to a lesser degree, because the rugby union used to be exempt of dickheads, mm-hmm. but now it's pretty much full of them as yeah, well. Yeah, the domain like, of them. Your Kurtley Beals and your James O'Connors, and you, they got, they're actually got a group. I didn't know they're called the Bungie Boys. I wasn't sure was if, if you're aware of that, but uh, yeah, Google the Bungie Boys and check them out. There's a bunch of like there's about 15 of them, and they're all about 22, and they just sit in spas together. Um, uh, very weird. Yeah, that's weird. Because but Buddy was mates with um, he's mates with all those boys. Yeah, he's in that. In I that. think he might be a bungie boy. Um, uh, yeah, I think. So yeah, the idea was to um, try not to talk about those sports. Um, try to talk about the sports that don't get as much press conference. So your boxing, your horse racing, your tennis. Um, so on the show, we've had one episode. We had Andrew Gaze, um, the basketball yeah, champion, inducted into the basketball hall of fame. Uh, the, only the second Australian ever, and he's. First one was his dad. Oh, wow. Um, and then on that same episode, we had Ken Rosewell, the great uh, Australian tennis yeah, player. Yeah, yeah. Um, we've had we've had Daniel Gill a couple of times. Um, Tassie boy represent. He is, yeah. He's a champion. Um, we talk lots of racing. We had uh, Darren Beedman. Um, cricket. We talk heaps of cricket. Uh, there are a lot of dickheads in cricket. but um, Yeah, yeah we, we've covered that. We've mentioned yeah. a few of them, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, we don't talk to the dickheads, so we try and bag them out. We have a dickhead of the week every week, so... People can tweet in and nominate, and it's it's quite remarkable that you think with a, when you're being specific about something that you, you eventually there'd be a week where nothing happened, but every week a dickhead rears his head. Someone puts their hand up. This week in the AFL, Campbell, uh, yeah, Campbell Brown, Campbell Brown, two surnames as first names. That's already a dickhead. His dad's uh, also a violent footballer with the tendencies of racism. Oh, wow. And he's you, I don't know if you his, know this. Broken his teammate's jaw this week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But did you know Campbell Brown's um, dad was Mal Brown? Right. And um, he, when the AFL footy show first started out, yeah. he went on air, and this is what he repeated. I'm not going to use the exact word. I'll use an abbreviation. <laughs> yeah. He said, oh, when we were on the field, we used to refer to – if there was an Aboriginal player, we'd just go – N-word, N-word, pull the trigger. <laughs> that made it to oh, national TV Why? on a Sunday morning. Jeez. Mal Brown. So it's no surprise that Campbell Brown probably punched someone because that, yeah. that's the genetics he's got in him. <laughs> was the guy he punched Aboriginal? Oh, God, I, I hope not. <laughs> it's, it's, this could be, you know. Yeah. But he's broken his uh, teammate's jaw. So, I mean, that's a he's, good way to start the preseason. Yeah, well, it's not. It's Like, I can understand if it was on the field. <laughs> but it was in LA Airport, which is <laughs> well, or allegedly. I've I've only read reports, but I know it happened in LA, and their training camp is in Denver. Okay, so it's not. It hasn't happened on unless you know. Um, who's the coach? Um, Guy McKenna said, yeah. "Okay, boys, we've got a three-hour layover. Let's do some skills work." <laughs> <laughs> Accidentally punched him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. LA Airport hasn't had a great rap lately. Has no, it no, 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 punching, <laughs> broken jaw shootings. Yeah, maybe maybe that could be the Campbell Brown defense. I thought he had a gun. <laughs> <laughs> he was coming at me. Yeah, he was coming at me, coming right at me. But it's just the whole team bonding thing. It's it's yeah. not going to be good. It's changed, hasn't it? it uh, although I do a lot of gigs, and we've we've also interviewed on No Dickheads a lot of old footballers and stuff, and they do say 
that they carried on a little bit like dickheads, but it wasn't as reported upon. Yeah, I think the I mean it's and this is sort of like what Gillard and um, Abbott have sort of said that the twenty four hour news cycle you need content. Yeah, like you know you're you're creating a sports podcast once a week. You need a dickhead. Yeah, you do. That's so you I mean. might like some like the. Have you ever had a week where you sort of you nominated someone? You're like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> You know what? No, that's what I no? sort of met before. It's like that every week. So, you know, this week, it's kind of, I mean, the cricket, there was dickheads, right? Yeah. And then the cricket's kind of just about to filter out of news now, relevant until the next test. Yeah. And then you can't well, that's only, Oh, mind you, the Poms are in Alice Springs in 40 degree heat. <laughs> I don't think, I don't think, I don't think that's good. Well, I think Andy Flower this week could be up. I think he could achieve. Campbell Brown's got it in yeah. the bag, but if you need to run, I think Andy Flower, the English coach, definitely, yeah, he, he came out and said, "Oh, a team needs strong leadership and strong morals." And it's like, when your team won the last series, you're pissed on the pitch. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> sure, Clark and Warner aren't the both. I don't think either of them have yet have pissed on the pitch. No, no, completely. It, and that's the thing. You might think nothing's happening, but something hmm. always happens. Yeah. Last week was a really bad week for the NRL dickheads. It was White Ribbon Day. Richie Fayoso bashed his girlfriend, uh, got chased down by the cops. Um, and then a couple of days later, four or five other guys have been done for assault in the, AF- in the uh, NRL. Then the AFL stuff. Because it's, it's like, even though those sports aren't on right now, no, these yeah. are the best time for dickheads. The AFL, if the NRL, they a couple, this year, though, like when they were appointing the new CEO, they rejected the AFL guy. They should have got him because the yeah. AFL does this genius thing. The last day in September is when the AFL season ends. Yeah. You shouldn't hear about it till February. No. Then they have trading period. Then they have drafts. Then they have then they have Campbell Brown punching people. <laughs> the fact that it's we're into dis, just almost December, they're still talking AFL. Yeah, yeah. And I'm sure they'll spring some surprise in December. There, actually, yeah, they're talking about there's going to be a rule change, yeah, which will dominate the news. So oh, it's just right, great. And all NRL does is someone bashes their misses. They it's, do. It, it, I did a gig recently for the Tassie for Launceston Footy Club, and and I was I have a lot of NRL jokes, so I was trying to work out how I could do. And essentially, we're pretty much the same. Our dickheads, are, NRL, I say our, are probably a little bit hardcore. I mean, if you remember, the king of NRL dickheads is probably Nate Miles. Yeah, he, yeah, he, yeah. He did a shit in a hotel corridor. Yeah. Um, which is fairly disgusting. It doesn't get much more disgusting than that. He did a shit. I, I lived around the eastern suburbs for a while. I actually saw Nate Miles walking his dog, and the dog was carrying a plastic bag. <laughs> <laughs> it's a disgusting human being. Um, that I didn't get a great response from that joke at the Roosters pre- presentation. No, I imagine. By the way, but... Um, and what about an AFL? You've had, I mean, Stephen Milne. That's a fairly yeah. That's, that's well, that's that's an ongoing rape case. Yeah. Like he, it's he's got it's gone to trial. Yeah. Um, you had the St Kilda was the big one. Well, oh, the burning of the midgets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was St Kilda or <laughs> the St Kilda schoolgirl too. Oh, the the whole schoolgirl. Um, well, this is my claim to fame. I've played on Nick Rewalt in junior under eights. Right, I didn't know what you were going to say. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah. He <laughs> went, I fucked the schoolgirl yeah. once. <laughs> and burned a midget at the same time. It's a great weekend. But you played on No, but yeah, Rewalt. Nick Rewalt. But here's the thing, Rewalt, Nick Rewalt, he's a great guy. He's a great ambassador. He's unfortunately been in a team that's had all this. But his uncle is one of the dirtiest local football players of all time. Yeah. Like I remember like, we, um, I don't know if it's like, like in Tassie, we had the TFL, the Tasmanian Football League. Yeah. And this is another reason why I don't like the Swans because my, I went for Glenorchy who were black and white. Yep. Our opposition was, the, was Clarence who were red and white. Okay. So I've just got a hatred of the red and white combination. <laughs> yeah. So George, don't get me started. <laughs> but I remember watching a grand final where Rewalt's Re, uncle was playing in the grand final. And we had our full forward, Shane Fell. He played a bit of AFL. And Rewalt and this other guy called Farquhar, I can't remember his first name. Farquhar decked this guy, Shane Fell, yeah. put him down, and then Rewalt went in in front of the whole stand and just grind his studs into this kid's face. Oh. It's one of the most dirtiest things. And like, it was brawled. It was just yeah. filthy. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, so it's like, it's amazing that Rewalt's come out the way he has because yeah. the pedigree's not good. <laughs> no, it's genetically, dickhead, if you're a dickhead, it's genetic, I think, generally. Yeah. yeah. Usually where that happens, you know, if someone smokes in your family, then you don't smoke. But, yeah, dickhead, dickhead behavior, it's just built in. Yeah, yeah. I think, well, the whole, yeah, the whole, AFL, I think the difference between AFL and NRL is the AFL players are better spoken. Like, they're very well, they're media trained, they're polished. 
you know, when, when Milne apologised for it, he's very, he uses long sentences, like, you know. <laughs> he's going to get a long sentence. So. Oh, yeah, 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 allegedly. Yeah, he's up for that. But, yeah, I think both, I think it's, I think the Melbourne media shields a lot more, whereas the Sydney media is like, eh. Well, they like to play on it. They like to play on it a lot. It sells newspapers. Um, and in, in the end, the general public are very fickle. They don't, they don't really seem to care too much um, about it about a bloke being a dickhead they'll just they'll move on quickly and so yeah that's what we uh, on our podcast we try to talk we I mean, obviously it's called the no dickheads policy so therefore you'd think we wouldn't talk about dickheads but, but yeah it, obviously the dickhead of the week award comes around every week that's uh someone who's a massive dickhead so uh, we had a lot of nominations for bernard tomic last week and yeah that's he's a dickhead right the oh of course out now dickhead but we disagreed on the nominations this week because the nominations were around because I don't know if you saw the photos that surfaced. Yeah. Uh, on the, he was up at Schoolies. He lives on the Gold Coast, so he wasn't at Schoolies. He lives there. And there were some pictures of him getting lap dances from about four like incredibly attractive young ladies. Yeah. Now, that's not dickhead behavior in my eyes. No. Um, that's, he's almost redeemed himself there. Like He's certainly taken one step back. No doubt he'll go out and do something dickhead. Oh, yeah, he'll get pulled stupid. over for speeding in that stupid car of his or whatever. <laughs> oh, the orange or, VM. Yeah, <laughs> he'll do something like that. But anyone who thinks that that's dickhead, lap dancing is not dickhead behavior. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, that's, but I mean, with Bernard also, you've got the father is, yeah. it's sort of a, it just, you know, maybe knocks him down a peg or two. Like, you're like, oh, he's had a tough upbringing. Let him. Let him have his orange BMW. Yeah, that's exactly right. And I think um, he gets let off a lot because Australia's still crying out for the next. Yeah, we need a slow to yeah. come through. And we didn't really take to Leighton. He yeah. won us two, but it was like. Eh. It's funny because Leighton Hewitt in, is my favourite sports person of all time. Really, I, I love him. I, wow. There's nothing more I love about that little man. He's like a really small little guy. He's been competitive at the top level of tennis for almost 15, 20 years. Yeah. And in a day where to be a competitive tennis player, you need to be six foot, big serves. Yeah. This bloke just keeps surviving. And he had a lot of injuries. Really? He did do some dickhead like behavior at times in his career. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. He was racial there and I certainly fell away from it at that time. But um, I just love his tenacity and he just... He'll do anything he can to win to win a game of tennis. Well, I think Leighton's unlucky. If Federer and even take out Federer or Nadal, either or, yeah, I think Leighton would have probably three or four more Grand Slams. Completely, because there was a stage where he'd get to the quarters, the semis, yeah, and he'd just lose to either Nadal, the guy who'd go on to win it, yeah, and yeah, just unlucky. I also think that uh, Leighton deserves this because the um, the dudes that follow him, the what are the fanatics. fanatics? Yeah, the tennis fans that follow all the tennis players around. I reckon once he retires, he deserves the right for them to continue to follow him around. So let's oh, say he goes to the shops at lunchtime. He's just doing a reverse park. And they're like, Leighton, Leighton, <laughs> reverse park, reverse park, right? Or he's just grabbing the milk off the shelf or, you know, whatever. He's pushing his kid around the block. That, that, I reckon the fanatics, that should be him. You know, the politicians, they get a car. When they retire, they get a car and they get a driver. Well, Leighton Hewitt should get the Fanatics with him forever. No doubt at some stage you'll probably punch one of them in the face. But Of course. Of yeah, course. But then, then it'll give him the media. Then, you know, yeah, yeah, I think that's a great idea. Yeah. Well, we talk about, like, it's been a big week. Australia, our Mark Webber's retired. He's gone from Formula One to Porsches. Yeah, there's another dickhead. Not Mark Webber, the Vettel. Sebastian Vettel got quite a lot of nominations. Dickhead of the week uh, on the No Dickheads policy. Yeah. Um, just, you know, that whole thing about not taking his headphones out, not listening to the crew when they told him to stand down. and Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, Weber, Weber, I like Weber. There was a time where Weber was really crap. He couldn't finish the race. I think Roy and HG used to call him yeah. DNF, did not finish yeah. all the time. Yeah, he went through, he had, a, he had a bad car. See, I think when he got, like, we talk about Vettel and they've obviously got the same car. Yeah, that's right. Weber never start like he'd be on pole position and he'd lose four or five places. Yeah, and then he, I reckon his career would have been better if they just said, "Mark, you don't qualify. We'll just give you six on the grid every week." <laughs> yeah. Because he was good at coming up, but he just couldn't start. He wasn't a good. No, he, he liked start. to chase, except for Monaco. There was a time where he couldn't. He, the only time um, he couldn't even beat the pace car. Right? Yeah. <laughs> like he was just. Yeah, but you know. He, he turned it around. He won a bunch of races. Yeah. He's broken a lot of records, like Australian records yeah, and stuff. Yeah, yeah. I think he's, the, um, he's finished the most times, any Australian on pole position, um, which is great. And a really lovely bloke. Uh, yeah. I worked with him. I worked on, speaking of dickheads, I worked, do you remember the Channel 9 had a show called, uh, Shane Warne had his own TV show? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I worked on that. I do, oh, wow. Uh, I do a bit of audience warm-up. So whenever there's a studio audience, they need a committee to jump out and entertain the crowd. And I'd been working on the footy show, NRL, and... They were the same producers. So, um, 
and I've got a good Shane Warne story for you after this, but Ooh. Mark Webber was on the show. Yeah. Uh, and the, the set they had at Channel 9 was really flimsy, and Mark Webber's about to walk on, so Warney's doing his little, hey, our next guest kind of thing, and I'm standing next to Webber, and he's looking at me because he'd seen me telling some jokes and stuff and having a little bit of a chat, and I, le- I just lent on one of the pylons or these pillars they had, and it wasn't sandbagged down, oh. and this thing is launching for the crowd, and Webber just like jumps out, grabs it. <laughs> it would have taken... We were live. We were on air. On live? It would have gone boom and smashed about five to six civilians and would have been live on air. Webber just grabbed it. I managed to grab the other side of it, and we kind of pulled it back up, and he looked at me like, whoa, you were lucky there, dickhead. <laughs> But see, knowing how the Shane Warne show, that would have been great for ratings. Yeah. So, so Weber, right. Weber ruined Warney's career. <laughs> it's forced him to go to England. Well, I got really scared working on that show because I had a really crazy incident with Shane Warne at a 7-Eleven once. Um, oh, wow. was working for the radio. Um, we had our own show, which I mentioned before. And we got a press release saying Shane Warne's going to be opening the 300 7-Eleven uh, on George Street in the city. Now... This was a time when, because Shane Warne was clearly one of this country's greatest ever cricketers. Yeah, um, abs- without doubt, massive dickhead. But he's got that. He can't, on the no field, one he's probably pe- him and the Don. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, it was that time because you're thinking, why would he need to open a Seven Eleven? But it was that time when he was suspended from cricket for a year or so um, because of the drug stuff that he, his mum, he blamed on his mum and stuff like that. So. We thought we just saw comedy in the headline. Yeah. We were like, "This is going to be funny." At a Seven Eleven, Shane Warne. So I took a mini disc recorder down, a work experience kid, and I went down. I organised the interview with his manager, who's his brother at the time. Um, and now I assumed that we'd get taken away down the side street somewhere and have a chat with him, right? So basically, he's out the front. He cuts a ribbon for this Seven <laughs> Eleven, and there's heaps of people. It's on George Street, yeah. and he's signing autographs. And he's an arsehole. He's a massive dickhead. He turns to me and he goes, "Because he knows the interview is going to happen." He goes, mate, you're going to do this or what? And Because, again, I thought we would go somewhere yeah, else. Yeah, so, yeah. Oh, I'm like, oh, okay, right. So I ask, I say to him, um, this is the opening of the 300 7 Is that just on this block? Right? Because, <laughs> you know, they're everywhere. That's a good and line. He, and George Street, there is, literally. Yeah, that's right. He gives me nothing, right? He looks at me like oh, I'm a dickhead and goes, I don't know, mate. Um, you'll have to check with my manager, right? And I'm like, all right. Oh. So... I get the impression straight away from the first question that this is where we're heading. He's not in a good mood. He doesn't want to be at the Seven Eleven. understandably. It's yeah, daytime yeah. for a start. They were out of smokes too. They yeah, were out of smokes and pies, yeah. if he likes. So I say to him, all right, um, what's your favourite Slurpee? You know, it's a good question. Yeah, he goes, cola, right? And then turns the signs autographs. And I go, you don't like to mix it up a little bit? Like maybe half strawberry, half, half raspberry, half cola? He's like, no, cola. And each question, he progressively got angrier and angrier. And he'd look at me, he'd stop and look at me with a disgust in his eye after every question. And I'm just asking questions like, you know, you've got the flipper. Maybe there's a new ball coming with a sausage roll, like the 7-Eleven time. No, he just hated me, right? And so I thought, and there was a big crowd. I can't let, as a comic, you can't let someone like this beat you, no matter who it is. Yeah, right? yeah, so no, no, absolutely. I thought, I'm gonna, I'll am gonna. finish on this. I said, all right, this is my last question. It's the 300 7-Eleven. It's a big day. There's a lot of people here. The paddle pop line is here, right? There's some guy dressed up in a paddle pop lion costume. I go, he's looking a little bit wide-eyed. I go, do you reckon it's from the bright lights of the 7-Eleven or maybe something his mum gave him, right? (laughs) (laughs) It was a week after that stuff happened, right? He instantly stopped. He gave me the filthiest look ever. He looked back at me. Now, he's obviously very well trained in the media because he pulled away from the mic and he's swearing, mouthing swear words at me and he's pointing at security going, someone get this dickhead out of here, right? I'd never been in a bad interview at this point before, oh, wow. so I really panicked. I had a work experience given me. I hot-footed it out of there. As I look back, he's pointing. Security guards are running. We got in the Nova car. We raced off. The work experience kid thinks I'm the greatest man alive <laughs> at this point. He's like, I can't believe you just said that to Shane Warren. I'm like, I can't believe it either. But he's, he was making me look like a dickhead. So we get in the car. We race off. Um, about an hour later, I get a call from the big bosses at Nova going, hey, you're going to have to come in. Shane Warne's managing this rank here and they're not happy with you. Um, and I'm like, okay, all right. So they go, have you got the audio? And I go, yes. So they go, we'll listen to the audio and we'll make a call on it, right? So we go back and I think this is my last day. I'm going to get the marching orders, etc. I go in, I play it to them. They love it. They think it's hilarious. They just said to me, if only you could have stuck around and got a response and got him going, what are you, you dickhead? And they could have used the, the yeah. audio and packaged it up, um, a couple of weeks later, Paul Murray, who was working at Nova, who's a journal, uh, Sky News journal now, he was um, he was at a press conference and uh, Shane Warne saw the Nova sign and he called him over and he goes, 
are you that dickhead who was at the uh, press at the Seven Eleven? He's like, no, mate, no, no. And he's like, well, I'm not talking to any cunt from Nova ever again. So, and, <laughs> and he's like, wow, right? So I, I got brushed there. Fast forward four years later, I get a call from the footy show bosses saying, hey, uh, we need you to do a warm-up for this Shane Morn show. Now, I haven't seen Shane Morn since the last time he said, if I ever see you again, I'll fucking kill you, right? Oh, wow, this is going to be fun. <laughs> As he was going away. So I'm like, do I take this gig or do I not? I'm assuming Warney has a lot of run-ins with other people yeah. at various stages. But it seemed that this was a fairly heated moment. That was in Melbourne as well, Channel 9 Studios in Melbourne. And I'm thinking it's a long way to fly down there for me to walk in the studio, do my warm-up. Then what happens if you're a warm-up guy as well is you generally introduce the talent to the studio, the host of the studio. So I would go, ladies and gentlemen, we're ready to start the show. Please welcome to the studio Shane Warren, right? And have him walk in, clapping, then stop, <laughs> look at me, and just drop the mic and run and start punching. You're that fucking guy! <laughs> oh, that was... <laughs> but I get to the studio late. My boss goes, have you met Warney? And I'm like, no. <laughs> right? So I walk around. He's on the durries out, out the front of the studio. He looked at me very cagey. Now, I don't know if it's because he doesn't know anyone and he's very defensive about anyone he doesn't know, but he was like, he shook my hand and he kind of looked at me like, uh, to me, it looked like, I know who you are, dickhead, but you're here to work. But anyway, I, so I went, hey, nice to work on the show, mate. And I tried to get out of his face as quickly as I could, not yeah. to give him enough time to talk to him about anything and just get in the studio. Went in the studio, did warm up. Um, he enjoyed it. He looked across at me a couple of times and gave me a kind of thumbs up. So I'm guessing that he had no idea who I was, luckily for me. In the end of the show, it went quite so well that I felt like I knew him well enough to go and tell him that that was me. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but I did it. No, no, so. no, that's good. But I think that would, wouldn't that be a great show where they just, they set Warnie out with a show and it just, the cameraman, the warm-up guy, are yeah. just people that he's had run-ins with. Oh, that'd be great. And he just like that, and he goes, hang on, I know you, get out! And then he goes, yes. the cameraman, can you believe it? Hang on, I know you, get out! This is your life, this is your fight edition. Oh. Do you remember this fight, Warnie? There's footage of... Oh, I think... That is great. Well, mate, I think we're going to have to go and pitch this to a TV station. <laughs> I think so. So, to fans of the show, check out the No Dickheads policy. Where can we get it? Download it? Stream it? Uh, it's on iTunes, uh, so you can just um, you can subscribe on iTunes. It's also on SoundCloud. Uh, we got syndicated after about three episodes to a website called The Armchair Selector. Um, if you like your cricket, they do a lot of cricket podcasts. They do a lot of cricket interviews and stuff like that. So, if you're a fan of cricket, go to armchairselector.com if you don't use iTunes. Um, and, yeah, just listen out for the show that's recorded in the Nissan Pulsar. Last week, uh, we talked to V8 Supercars um, oh, and, sweet. and cricket. So we're trying to talk different sports. I think next week we're doing UFC. Oh, um, nice. So just trying to talk, yeah, other sports other than <laughs> other than boxing. And, well, boxing's not a dickhead. Well, I don't know. But yeah, the NRL, did, the AFL, definitely. As I'm one of my favourite UFC fan, and probably I think if they made a dickhead Hall of Fame, he'd be in it, Brock Lesnar. Oh, yes, of course. <laughs> I think, yeah, he'd be a big <laughs> one. So check it out, guys. Uh, but make sure you search no dickheads in iTunes because if you just – um, search dickheads it'll just come up to Kyle and Jackie O's show so <laughs> make sure you do that and follow Steve Philp on Twitter is it at Steve Philp? yes uh, at Steve underscore Philp underscore Philp so check that out guys thank you guys for listening in if you're on iTunes when you check out the No Dickheads give us a rating couple of stars a couple of words of encouragement that'd be nice and if you like the show tell your friends that'd be cool for more information check out comedyonedge.com follow us on Twitter at comedyonedge and me on Twitter at m underscore w underscore oh anyway Anyway, guys, have a good week and we'll see you later.